You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. Um, it's hard It's hard to believe we're, it's that time to start another season of the Bulldog Hour. Yeah, it really is. Um, we're, we're back and better than ever here at the end of February 2022. We took off for about three months and we're uh, we're here to say goodbye officially to the 2021 season and look ahead to 2022. Um, much like uh, some of the off-season shows last year, we are not alone. We have a guest with us, and for the first time joining us is Mr. Jim Berkman from Spotlight on Burks Sports. Jim, thanks for joining us. Joe, it's both an honor and a privilege to be here. This your studio here, your basement. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I'm glad we were able to get you on the show. Um, you know, we've been talking now for a few years off and on. I know uh, Justin and I uh, really appreciate your coverage as uh, you're able to uh, keep us up to date on things that uh, we're not always focused on, uh, especially in the fall. We have the laser focus on the Wilson football team by and large, uh, but we appreciate you uh, filling us not just in on the Bulldogs, but all of the Berks County action. It's incredible to me that you're able to cover um, nearly 20 schools. In how, how many sports does the do you have to track down in a year in Berks County? Uh, well, it's 18 BCI, BCIAA schools, and there are a total of 31 sports throughout the three sport, uh, sport seasons. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot to keep track of, and um, it, it's impressive. And um, I know it's not just Justin and me that appreciate it. I know uh, a variety of people appreciate your coverage, um, you know, because your mantra is, uh, is what again? Every athlete matters. Every athlete matters, right? And that's what we love to hear because, um, you know, Justin and I do this for um, the Wilson football student athletes, but, you know, we're always uh, keeping tabs on all of the, uh, the athletes in the district and, 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 and beyond. And the way we're able to... Uh, to do that is via uh, via you, so we, we appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that you appreciate it. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think we're going to start here first with um, a few house cleaning things, and uh, let's uh, do that. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Uh, first up is. Um, our presenting sponsor is, uh, as usual, May Sandwich Shop. Appreciate um, their su- support continuing for us. Um, belated, belated happy anniversary to May Sandwich thank, Shop. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And um, in addition to them, we have a few other sponsors that have joined with us uh, over the last year. Um, MikeDragosports.com and CNS Supply Company. So appreciate both of them helping us out. And... Uh, 
a few individuals. Um, a, a new one hopped aboard recently, the, the Hop family. I, I see what you did there. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, individuals, Bill Mays, Andy Herr, who saw a good basketball oh game gosh, and your I'm old so stomping jealous. grounds the I'm other so night. Jealous. Oh man, and yeah. uh, and Marty Palm, and then of course our three anonymous donors. Appreciate everyone taking the uh, the time to support us in whatever way possible. And there are multiple ways you can do that. Uh, in addition to the sponsorships, advertising, or the in kind donations, you can visit the website bulldoghour.com. And of course, Justin's favorite. Yeah, like and share if you uh, like what you see on the show or hear on the show. Um, spread the word. You know, you can either do that online or also just tell people about it. You know, we have lots of people come up to us. Again, at the games in the, in the fall and kind of, you know, tell us, oh, we like this or, you know, you should talk about this or that. Like, we, we love hearing that stuff um, and have as many of those discussions as you like. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, this is our season eight premiere. Um, this is our season eight premiere and we usually do this um, bi-monthly in the off season. So we'll be back again in about two months, uh, the week after Easter, Sunday, the 24th of April, same time, same place. We'll be back for our spring update. Have no idea what will be on the uh, docket that night, uh, but you know we'll be talking Wilson football in some capacity. I know um, last year uh, we had with Paul Roberts, we talked in an episode, you weren't able to be here. Right, we talked right. about our all-time Wilson quarterbacks, and I know people were... Uh, um, antsy for us to cover other positions, so I mean, we might have to uh, do a, a running back or wide receiver say, group. I feel like I feel like Paul's really good at throwing out those all time lists and getting getting everybody all riled up. Like yeah. that, that's <laughs> so. When, and and speaking of getting people riled up, I'm gonna get Justin riled up here because oh, gosh, I'm gonna go. well, I'm gonna put up the uh, 2020 awards and all star list to let people, um, you know, like I said, put a bow on the 2021 season. But I'm gonna make Justin talk about this list here because. Uh, I'm being told that I, I don't have Jim's mic hooked up properly, so I'm going to uh, adjust that while Justin uh, um, va- has to vamp. So, excuse okay. me. Yeah, no problem. So, as we look at it, um, Joey pulled up the awards. Um, you see a number of big-time awards there. Um, John Ramsey collected um, All-State Offensive Guard. Um, he was LL Outstanding Lineman of the Year, right, and first-team All-LL. You know, so big-time awards there. You see uh, Jaden was first time, or sorry, first team All-LL um, running back. And, you know, his brother Cam also collected a bunch of awards. Um, you know, you have some of the other linemen like Jack Durning is there. Uh, freshman Brady Klein at, at tight end was able to jump in. But TJ Flight, who came on strong, had a really strong year for uh, the Bulldogs. You know, just kind of keep going another guy and we heard this name over and over from the coaches from the beginning of the year dominic memo um and it, everybody talked about how he was maybe the quickest kid on the team and on that defensive line he causing havoc all year eli rodriguez his kind of uh his partner there on on the defensive line gavin leonard josh drake brad hoffman and ben rada um you know, Ben really coming through with the kicking game, including in some of the playoff games, uh, like that Central York game, having some uh, big kicks down the stretch was really cool. So um, first, I want to apologize to Jim. I messed up the mic. It's a newer mic. And I, of course, uh, had it connected. It's in the mixer. But, you know, it would help if I turned it on. Um, so I apologize if you guys couldn't hear Jim very well. I know he was coming through, but not loud and clear. But um, Jim is here from Spotlight Burks. and. Um, He's going to join us to talk about some football, and we are going to do a winter sports recap at the end once we get through all of this. So Justin did a great job. 
So those well, are 2021 it, award it winners. It wouldn't be a show until something happened. Right, I know. Right. It, so you're like we, exactly we need right. We that to take place. Um, so uh, w- once we get Jim on here again, you will be able to hear him loud and clear. I may even have to turn him down now. Um, I wonder, I was, you saw me adjusting. I I'm saw like, you something's adjusting. wrong. And What's actually, going on? I was preparing myself for you to give me like the throw where you're like, <laughs> where, or you just give me the signal like, just talk. And I was, I was preparing myself for the last couple minutes, like thinking, all right, here's my time to shine. Uh, real quickly, <laughs> uh, besides the um, postseason awards and all stars that were up on the screen for you there, and I, we're not going to mention everyone. I, this has been posted on the social media, but we want to make sure we gave um, that the uh, graduating class of twenty two or the players from the 2021 team, a moment in the spotlight here before we move on. The banquet was also about a month ago, and a, a bunch of awards were given out. Um, so some some of the same names there, a lot of recognition there, a variety of Wilson football awards on the table that you can see on the screen if you're watching right now. Um, and I, I will post some of these on social media as well. Um, but a lot of the names that Justin just read off, you're going to see here for the awards. And uh, one, the only one I want to mention, because we – pointed it out back in the 10th game of the season, play of the year, Hoffman to Dendel. Yeah. Like that was clearly yeah. play of the year. That was the biggest play of the year. That, There's a few things maybe in the Hempfield game and a few of the other games right. at the end of the year you could point out, but we talked about if Wilson loses to Manheim Township, season's over. Right. They don't and make if, the playoffs. If they don't complete that pass, the, the season may have ended that night. Um, and man, what a catch in – Horrible conditions. Awful. Um, Jim, was, where were you, were you at a game that Friday end of the season in all the rain? Nope. I was in my <laughs> office at home. I had uh, one live stream on the TV. I had one live stream on my laptop. I had another one on my phone and another one on my iPad. <laughs> oh, you had it all, all going I was dry, from the comfort of your home. I was dry in 68-degree house uh, watching four different games at one time. Oh, man. Well, that's how you do it. Um, <laughs> Justin and I have talked. We, we do a lot of these like tongue-in-cheek. Like We throw out ideas that we're like, that would be crazy, but I wish it would happen. We Like having a um, – what at Berks County LL South Central Southeastern PA almost like red zone like grab all of the games and someone somewhere like all the YouTube streams or whatever and just be like oh this game look we've got to pull this game in you just watch a rebroadcast of all the games just like a a Berks red zone version I was just like that and that you kind of have you had four set up anyways what what what's adding another six you know like <laughs> a few more TVs. <laughs> a few more TVs. We'll talk right. to the wife about that. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. So Jim's coming in good now. The, the 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 one silver lining of that not working. I mean, we could still hear you. you just were not as loud as us. Um, but I know people are watching because <laughs> seventeen people were like, "I can't hear Jim real well." <laughs> but that's all good because I know people are watching. And people that know me know that they can usually. They can. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so I'm, I apologize for that again. Uh, last thing here before we dive into our conversation about the 2022 season is um, current players uh, are they've started a, a mentorship program. Uh, the uh, high school football team has been going to a variety of Wilson Elementary schools and uh, into the classrooms and helping the students with uh, their disciplines. Um, the kids have actually even gotten to play with the younger kids at, at recess. Uh, a lot of cool pictures coming in from the students and the coaches and the teachers uh, that have welcomed the players in over the last few weeks. I think I don't know if they go every week. 
um, or not, but I've gotten a few uh, days that I've put together, and I believe we're going to be doing like a monthly recap um, coming up here in March. So um, it's a great program. The kids are super excited, and the teachers really appreciate everyone. Uh, All the classroom teachers that I've seen comment on it have been super uh, happy to have uh, the players there, and the kids seem to enjoy it. So Yeah, I I can speak from the side of like uh, talking to some of the players um, that have done it, and they – they really enjoy it. They like getting out there and being the parent of young kids, knowing like that when they see those things, it's, it's really cool. They like seeing the players come in and, and you know, whether it's read or help them with something like it's just, it's cool moment. It also kind of gives those high school kids a chance to realize like, Oh my gosh, this is like what these teachers are doing, especially elementary school teachers. I think about that all the time. I don't know how they do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, speaking of which, we have conferences this week, right? So, like, every time I leave the conference, I'm just like, I don't know how my son's teacher does that, but he, he's a magician. <laughs> All right, Justin, we're going to move on to Here the schedule. Go. This is something that every week in the fall we talked about of, you know, oh, it's early, early. All of a sudden, nope, it's late. We're, we're, yes. We've lost we've lost columns. We've yeah. moved on. So now we've got a fresh set of three columns. Uh, Jim, I had you take a look at the schedule. Um, you know, the first week up and we're talking, you know, preseason camp, August 8th heat week is going to be for the teams that participate. The week of the 15th is your, your traditional summer, you know, what used to be called two or three a days. That's the week of the 15th. Wilson's first scrimmage will be at Coatesville on Saturday, August 20th. And then game one. Now, if you pay attention to the Wilson athletic website, you could see the updated schedule. I don't know how many Bulldog fans do that. Um, they might n- not even know unless their uh, their 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 friend or family member plays on the team, or until it's posted. Um, well, honestly, probably by Justin or me on the social accounts of what's coming down the pike. The biggest thing is the switch to the Burks LL um, league this year with the what did you say? Thirteen remaining Burks teams right. were joining Wilson right. in the LL with the the remaining. Or the LL teams, which how so? How many are we up to now in the Burks LL is thirty seven. Twenty seven total. Twenty seven. Okay. Was, um, or is it thirty seven? No, I think it's thirty seven because Sorry. there's five divisions. There's like two with eight and three with seven Correct. or something like that. Yeah. So I think it's thirty seven total teams. So we're in a new tier cycle. Classifications changed. We're gonna get to that. Um, so the schedule's different. We gotta have different opponents. We technically have different league opponents, although Wilson's hasn't changed all that much. We essentially are just adding Reading back onto the schedule after a 10-year hiatus. So the non-league schedule is the big thing that everyone's focused on. For a long time, Wilson played Governor Mifflin in week one, then with the advent of week zero, which I still hate that term and refuse to call it that. That's actually week one. Um, Central Dolphin leapfrogged them because Wilson and Mifflin both wanted to have that game Labor Day weekend so that people returning for the holiday back to the area could, could see the game. At least that's what I've always been told. But with the way the Burks LL merger worked up, the section one and section two teams have a bye week and they set it up so that one and two have it the same week. Wilson Mifflin now happening there middle of the season. Uh, I didn't get to look into how common that was beforehand, but for a long time growing up playing um, and now doing this show and watching from afar, Wilson Mifflin has almost always been right at the beginning of the year or right at the end. Now it's like smack dab in the middle, um, which which is wacky. And on a Saturday. 
don't you're ruining it you're ruining i'm sorry it. well you um, put it on the screen <laughs> <laughs> um but first off jim i wanted to get your opinion on this because wilson week one now they needed a new week one opponent because central dolphin was moved to week two or the second game wilson got roman catholic which right. is another s- school out of philly you know wilson played martin luther king last year roman catholic comes to town Martin Luther King coming back to town. So Wilson has gone into the Philly area to grab some of the bigger 5A, 6A schools. Do you know much about Roman Catholic? Because Justin and I are left scratching our heads just like we were last year with Martin Luther King. Um, do you have any idea on on Roman Catholic uh, or Martin Luther King, what your opinion are of those Philly schools um, or the, the addition of them to the Bulldogs schedule? I think the main thing is oh, excuse me, that they were the bigger schools. It's very important that a 6A school gets a non-league 6A or 5A at worst. As a 6A school for power rankings come District 3 time, if you're playing against a 4A or a 3A school as a 6A, even if you win, you're losing out on possible points. So that's probably step number one in the process to get Martin Luther King uh, and Roman Catholic. To answer your question, do I know much about them? Traditionally, they're basketball schools, mm-hmm. and that's what I know more about them. Being a Reading High grad myself, um, I, I remember seeing Roman Catholic play on the Geigel floor uh, basketball a lot. I love their purple and gold. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, as far as football, honestly, I don't know much about them. Yeah, well, that's exactly where we're coming from. We don't know much about them. The biggest thing that jumped to me as soon as I found out that Wilson was scheduling Roman Catholic was – they did this um, this transitive property, Justin. We're always talking about a yeah. a plus b yeah. equals works, c. Right? It always works in sports, right? <laughs> Last year, um, Roman Catholic beat um, um, LaSalle College High School, right. who beat St. Joe's Prep. Which means w- w- right? What does that mean? Because <laughs> then you look back at it. Roman Catholic was three and seven last right. year, which I was shocked to see. Because right. I thought I was thinking they were more like seven and three, eight and two. Um, now, St. Joe's Prep, the second time they played LaSalle College High School, beat them up pretty badly. So I don't know what the story was with Roman Catholic upsetting LaSalle, because LaSalle was a very good team last year. Uh, but that one jumped out at me. But, you know, you know what's the uh, – the, the pro is any given Sunday. I mean, that, you see that all the time and, and on Friday nights too and Saturdays. It doesn't always matter what the record is or what the talent is on paper. It matters what happens on the field. So Roman Catholic, much like Martin Luther King, very talented team. Very talented. Uh, can they put it all together for a 10-game season is what it amounts to. So we'll, we'll get into more of a preview on the specific teams. You know, We'll wait for August for that. But that was the first thing that jumped out to me. Wilson having two uh, big-time Philly... Uh, District 12 schools. Yeah, District yeah. 12 schools. Uh, both coming to Gursky. Um, and I don't mean to leapfrog Central Dolphin, but we know Central Dolphin. We know where we're getting from Central Dolphin. Wilson has played them every year at least once since 2014. The teams enjoy playing each other. There's a good relationship between the coaching staffs. It's just, it's indefinitely on the schedule. Sure. Wilson will travel there for their first um, road game on September 2nd. The next week, Martin Luther King comes to town again. People are wondering why we're playing them at home back to back. It was actually requested by them. They enjoyed coming to West Lawn to play Wilson last year. The teams um, had a very good relationship off the field, especially coaching staffs. Um, uh, the Martin Luther King coach, whose name is now escaping me, um, he had nothing but positive things to say about the game last year and what it meant for his kids to come there and see the environment right. and the, and the team what they right. what they go like through. We talk, they have to play what the Germantown Super Site, right? Yes. And so, like, 
you know, scheduling can be a bear and all, all kinds of stuff. You know, so I I don't know that, but I wonder if that played into, yeah, we'll come out there. Because, like, they don't have to worry about when we'll go down or anything. And we know they had a rough year last year, but we also talked on the show that the Philly Public School League runs it. They basically, like, relegate teams or bump them up yeah. based on how they do year to year. So they went, re- they went what, 9-1 like the European year before soccer. or something? Yeah. And so they, they got bumped up a level and were probably in a little over their heads, especially coming out of the COVID year. So it was really maybe two years ago that they had been bumped up. When they you won, know. they won their. They were like nine and one in twenty nineteen. Like right. They, they, they had a right. Great and then they essentially didn't have a season in twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, so that's that's really tough. So, um, and only played what one game before they played us last year, I think, or something. I, I like think that. you're right. Yeah. So. So. They, yeah. Yeah, it was a rough year for MLK last year, but they will be returning to Gursky. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how the group responds to that. Uh, then Wilson gets to go to to your Red Knights. Gets to go to Reading, play at Albright. Albright Stadium, sure, um, Stadium. Wilson has not played Reading since 2013, so you're looking at a good 10, 10 seasons, uh, at least in the regular season. I know Wilson Reading scrimmaged in 2017 preseason, um, but this one this one counts for the standings. This one is a league game, so Wilson's first league game in the new Burks LL is at Reading on September 16th. Um, Cedar Crest is the next week at home. And then we get to the game that Justin mentioned, Governor Mifflin. Yes, people, we are at Mifflin for the second year in a row, which I know people will throw their hands up in the air and wonder why. Why? It's just the way it worked, Adam. If you look at the schedule, if we hosted Mifflin, we'd have three home games in a row. If you look at Mifflin's schedule, if they would travel to us, they'd have three road games in a row. Teams don't like that. Two at best. You don't want to do groups of threes. And with the other way the schedule worked out, Mifflin needed an away game. Wilson, or excuse me, Wilson needed an away game. Mifflin needed a home game. So you just flip flop it. it. It is what it is. So we're going to host them in 2023. That, that's all it comes down to. There's no, I know people always think there's something sinister going on. Um, it's not like that. Neither school nor the league has anything out against any of these teams. It's just the luck of the draw. They always flip flop in a, in a two year cycle home and away. Right. It just means we're changing it. For this year, new two-year cycle. It's it a new two-year cycle. It doesn't. Necessarily, it's not always going to go home away, home away, home away. You might go home away, away home, and that's what's happening here. The biggest thing that people are going to be probably more upset about is the game is a Saturday afternoon, not a Friday night, because it has been marked as Mifflin's homecoming game. It will start at one o'clock on Saturday, October first. Uh, so we wanted to get that out there now for anyone that didn't know, so that you can make your change of plans. Um, there is a home Penn State football game that day as well. So for those of you that have season tickets there, you got you got a decision to make. Might be a good Penn State game to sell. I don't. Do you know who they're playing that day? Is that um, the Northwestern game? I think it is the Northwestern okay. game. So uh, yeah, Wilson I'm Mifflin. I'm not 100 sure because they had the schedule change for them. As that's well. true. So, that's like, true. I, they I'm did. I'm not 100 yeah. sure, but I I think it's Northwestern. Wilson Mifflin at Shillington, October 1st in the afternoon. Um, uh, Jim. Backing up, well, look at let's look at both these games, both road games for the Bulldog at Reading, at Mifflin, two out of three weeks. Wilson getting to play two of the Bur- Burks teams. Um, what do you think of uh, the new Reading head coach? They just I, hired I'm glad a new you guy. That up. I, when we were talking about the Reading game, I was going to say I saw um, I saw Paul Roberts' interview with him the other, okay, yes. the other day, and uh, you know he, he Troy played 
back in the time when Redding last made it to the district championship. He was part of the James Bryant mm-hmm. um, uh, game with um, – yeah, you're making me forget a name here. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. Kerry Collins. Sorry, I'm forgetting his name on Bulldog Hour. Apologies, Oh, you mean Kerry. Chad. You're talking about Chad. Or Ch- was it Chad? Yeah, it was Chad. Because that was this is back when yeah, I played. When you played. Yeah, this is when okay, I played. My yeah. apologies. I'm, I'm showing my years here. <laughs> no, this, yeah, because um, yeah, I believe um, um, he – I believe he was in the same graduating class as James Bryan James and Bryan. Chad Henney. That, yeah. So Correct. he was a year behind me because right. I was class of 03. He was graduating class of 04. Um, yeah. So, so um, how do you say his last name? Is it good? It, in, good. In, I, I always pronounced it. God in it. God in it. Okay. I could, I could be wrong. And if I, I am wrong. Yeah. Troy, I apologize. I, I, and I, right now I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on how, how Paul said it in the, in the interview. Cause right. I've said it like seven different ways and I'm like, I don't know which one of those is right. Right. But, um, Godinet, yes, Godinette. hired recently, played with James Bryant under Al Walski and those great Reading teams. Um, the same time that um, Wilson Reading was huge at, at the turn of the, the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, now he's taking over um, a Reading program that has had a rough go of it recently. They, they seem to be maybe moving in the right direction or at least treading water under Coach Flowers a few years ago. Right. Um, they just never were able to break through. Um, and I mean, if you, I mean, I know we all remember those late nineties, early two thousands, sure. Wilson running games. That's what we want to get back to. Cause right. that was fun. That was a lot of fun to see those two teams, um, dominating in Burks or well back then and both in the LL. Um, I, I don't know much about the team that's coming back. I know like the Philly schools, Reading had that weird COVID year where they had to force to play in the spring and then they played in the fall. And I believe their quarterback got hurt in the preseason. It was Amir, Amir Burdine, Amir right? Burdine. Yep. Okay. Um, and they got a win or two last year, but the end of the year w- was a little rough for the Red Knights. I know they missed two games because of COVID again. Well, Amir got hurt. And he missed the last couple and, of games. Yeah. So it, I, I, I like when teams are good. Like you don't want to see teams floundering. Right. So I'm I'm excited to see well, someone I, that loves the program to be in charge again. I'm excited for Troy. That uh, in the interview that that Paul had with him, he was very excited. He talked well of joining the LL League. Uh, he talked well of reuniting the the Reading Wilson games. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Troy's first Burks LL game to be against Wilson, yep. I think is is ironic. At Albright too, he gets it at home. At at, at Shirk Stadium, you know, I, um, I'm excited to to see that game. I think it will be fun to start the new Burks LL League um, with a Wilson Redding game. Now, I don't know if you know, I can pull it up too. Do you know um, offhand some of Redding's non-league opponents before they play Wilson? Do you know I, who I they're don't. playing? I I, don't. I I was trying to think if they were do, still doing the City Series where they play. McCaskey or William Penn. Um, I'm trying to remember who they played this past year. I was just thinking, what kind of um, tune-up games do they have leading into that Wilson game? Because they'll have um, three games before Wilson Redding happens on September 16th. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited. I know it'll take a few years for him to get everything involved. It's nice that he's bit was already on staff, right. so he's not just coming in and starting from scratch. He already knows the players. He already knows sure. um, the workout regimen. He knows what he wants changed, what he wants to stay the same. Um, so he's he's not he's starting from a spot of familiarity, which should be a huge boon for them this year. It'll help in the present and long term. I, I wish him nothing but the best. Um, but do you did you find their non league? I'm, I'm looking for. Looking, I have their. 
skits from last year. Let's see if we can find next year's. Yeah, I I really I it, we we talk about this all we talk about it a lot in the years past okay. with with McCaskey. We we want you know it. We remember the days when McCaskey was so good. Sure. And thinking of Reading, like we think about when we were in school and Reading was so good and really honestly took it to Wilson a couple of times um, that, man, it would it would be great for them to to get back towards that. You know, even if it's not that level, just get some positive momentum there. And, yeah, best of luck to Troy, you know, like – and a guy who has so much invested in the program, you, you really hope he can – he has as good a shot as anybody to, to get it done. That program, all of Reading, is is his heart and soul. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's born and raised in the city. He he can relate to the kids. Um, so yeah, Joey, I have uh, week one. Reading plays at C, uh, CD East. Okay. Week two, they play at Muhlenberg. So that was good. They, okay, they, they kept that one. Yeah. Right, Muhlenberg's in section two right. of, the, of the new Berks LL. Well, so that's, I'm good. glad they kept that rivalry. Yeah. And then in week three, they are home against Red Lion before facing Wilson in week four. Okay. And I think All Red, right. Did Red Lion get a new coach this year too? I think. When Red Lion's back up at 6A too. Okay, yeah. So, so. okay, that, that's a that's a fun non-league schedule for <laughs> them then. Um, to start out with, a, a CD East has been uh, one of the um, – surprisingly better teams over the last um well now we're all closing in on almost a decade now who, that they've been really strong and have beat year. central dolphin a few times who upset cd east yeah in the playoffs didn't they get upset in the first round? central york no i'm trying to think no who was was it um hemfield yeah i think it was hemfield yeah because then hemfield lost to harrisburg, harrisburg the next yeah. week yeah um but cd east is that's a that's a good that'll be a good test for them for for reading and then Muhlenberg, that's, I mean, that's a, everyone knows about the Reading Muhlenberg rivalry. So I'm, I'm really glad that they, they kept that. I was wondering if that was going to stay on, right. like Wilson Mifflin stay, has stayed on the schedule since uh, Mifflin left um, the LL back in the early, or in the mid 2000s. Um, not much, I don't have much at this time to say about Cedar Crest. Um, that game's at Gursky Stadium the 23rd. We talked about Mifflin's the first. Um, Mifflin's an interesting one just because they've they've gotten the best of Wilson two years in a row in um, in dominating fashion. Uh, obviously, they don't have Nick Singleton anymore, but they had quite the core coming back. They have a lot of good players remaining. Um, I, I, I know um, both both teams and schools are looking forward to that matchup um, Saturday afternoon in Shillington, October first. What do you make of Wilson Mifflin? Um, in 2022 uh, with the hoopla surrounding surrounding Nick Singleton and that dominant team of the last few years gone. Well, I mean, we're all going to miss Nick, but being Penn state fans, we we won't, (laughs) I don't think we'll miss him for long. (laughs) Hopefully we'll get to see him play up there a lot as a freshman. Uh, But I'm being told that there's a, a running back in Mifflin coming up right behind him. Uh, not going to say he's every bit as good as Nick because that's that's really high class for someone who's only a tenth grader. Um, so he's going to be a tenth grader this fall. That, that's what I'm told. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, what do I think of this game? It was always fun week one, right? But I I actually like it better moved back. It gives the teams a couple of weeks to get more prepared uh, to see a little bit of each other that current year on film, as opposed to okay, well, this is what they did last year. And this is who they have coming back. Um, I expect week six, Saturday. I don't care. It's a Saturday. (laughs) Traditional part of me, I do like 
high school football on Friday nights, but I don't mind. Um, one, one selfish thing I, I like about it is my pictures will be better because daylight is better than, than stadium lights. So I, that's the one silver lining. I'm like, well, I should get pretty good pictures of that game. Um, I, honestly, for me, I, I agree. Like it was fun to be the kickoff game just cause it's the first game of the year and Wilson Mifflin to start the year that that's, you know, for Wilson and Mifflin fans, that's great. Right. But I would take it. I want a week 10. Sure. I always like when they, when we were in the same league, or in the same section of the same league, I liked it. The rivalry week, week ten is supposed to be the rivalry week. So I wish Wilson Mifflin was week ten. I don't know if that'll ever be possible now with the Burks LL and maybe section changes. If, if Mifflin ever bumps up into section one, if they change alignments, whatever, it could happen eventually. It's not going to these next two years, but I do agree. I kind of like it. I think the coaching staff would agree too. You kind of will know what your team is now when the right. game is played. And when it was the first or second game, you were still trying to figure yourselves out. Um, and some teams are better at stopping some things than others. Some teams get a lot better as the season progresses. So um, I, I actually do prefer that it's middle of the year um, versus week one or week two. And I think um, I think some of the coaches would say the same. I think in a perfect situation, week 10 with both of them in the same section – both undefeated would be pretty amazing. I, I think <laughs> if the sections get realigned, if Mifflin ever ends up in section one or whatever they end up calling it, I I would think schedule makers would think, yeah, maybe we should make that week 10. Yeah, I feel like that would be a no-brainer. Because um, they have now, easy. after a few years of the battles being midseason, they've bumped Manheim Township into that week 10 slot right. for Wilson because it's been, by and large, Wilson-Manheim Township for section one. And that's um, also a great game in itself. Right, uh-huh. exactly. But it can't hold a candle and duration or longevity to Wilson Mifflin. So I'll take Wilson Township now, but if Wilson Mifflin are ever in the same section again, I hope it's moved to the last week of the season. Um, Hempfield comes to Gursky October 7th. That was a great game last year. A lot of fun. That was kind of the start of Wilson's, they kind of found their identity and started rolling against well, that, that Hempfield team where last they year. They had to win to win out. Right. Like we didn't know it at the time. We thought it might be the case, but they had to get it rolling and, like with with some of the games that were contested, and man, they had that drive at the end to get it done that was that back would, down the hill. That Mary. was a lot of Ooh. fun. Yeah. Um, then Wilson is going back to Penn Manor, which I know is uh, music to Justin's yeah, ears. It is. I missed it. Last he missed year. the trip missed to Millersville and didn't get to eat at the Sugar Bowl with me. So. Um, Going back to Penn Manor two years in a row, that'll be October 14th. Uh, and then the team that's coming to Wilson for two years in a row is McCaskey. So we avoid a trip to uh, McCaskey, and we get to go back to Millersville. So this is this is a good schedule. I'm Sign liking this up. schedule. Yeah. Uh, and then, like we j- I just mentioned, Week 10, Wilson's at Mannheim Township. The biggest thing that jumps out to me here for the schedule overall, Jim, is after – well, from the Roman Catholic game, Game 1, August 26th, through the Hempfield game October 7th, Wilson only leaves Berks County once to go to Central Dolphin. So Wilson is home or in Berks County for every game except Central Dolphin September 2nd, all the way until they go to Penn Manor on October 14th. Now, 2023 is not going to be fun right. as you flip-flop <laughs> all of these, uh, but I'll take advantage of that as someone who has to travel ourselves to the game. That's, that's sure. a problem for future Joey and Justin. <laughs> right. We'll get through 2022 before we worry about 2023. This year, you can save your gas money. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly how it's going to work out. We'll uh, walk uh, appreciate that. <laughs> Saturday, Saturday afternoon, we'll just walk. We'll just take some signs. Yeah. We'll just get people to honk at us while we're walking down uh, 724. We'll make a whole thing about it. Uh, I, I have playoff information 
mention the dates on there, but we're not worried about that right now. We've got a lot of other topics I want to cover, and we're already running short on time. That's the way it always happens. So uh, first off, just a brief, quick overview of the class classification parameters that came out from the PIAA. It was supposed to be in December. They changed that to early January. Um, they finally brought out um, the new classifications. Um, for these classifications, you're looking at the total male enrollment I believe currently at the school at the time of submission in grades 9th, 10th, and 11th, uh, PIAA said total male enrollment of 1 to 123 males is 1A, 124 to 180 is 2A, all the way down to 6A, which is 558 and above. And that's obviously where Wilson fell. There was never a doubt that that wasn't going to be the case. We're always just interested in who's going to be competing against Wilson in District 3, 6A, um, because that's varied year to year. Since six six classifications came into being for the 2016 season, there's been, I think, as few as 15 schools maybe and as many as 18 or 19. It bounces around. A few teams come in and out. Um, probably most the most notoriety goes to that, I believe, that first two-year cycle when Harrisburg wasn't in 6A. When Michael Parsons moved into Harrisburg, they were down in 5A, you know, because we had that famous uh, Mifflin ended Michael Parsons' high school career, upsetting them in the 2017 district playoffs. That was in 5A. Um, now they've been up and are staying up with Wilson in 6A. Uh, but where do some of these teams fall? So I have, um, and I posted this before when this came out in early January, but we haven't talked about it on the show yet, Jim. Uh, Wilson, as usual, is right in the middle of uh, 6A, 751 male enrollment. And, um, a lot of familiar schools in there, Reading, Cumberland Valley, McCaskey, Hempfield, Chambersburg, Central York, Central Dolphin, uh, York Tech, which that one always boggles my mind. Um, is that a co-op? Like, where are they getting all these? That's every, like, how we have BCTC. Okay. They have York And they Tech. have a football team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know they do. Right. I, 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 that's just, like, rhetorical because right. they don't ever win any games. Right. It just, it feels, it, it feels... It's rough to have them up in six. Well, I know, I know. What well, a few years ago, when you were calculating out some of the power ranking stuff, they didn't even factor in because they didn't even play any like right. They, right, they don't like play. Like, their power rating doesn't matter because they don't play any other teams in six A. Right, they play smaller schools. Right, so, and which which is interesting because I, I i have no idea how this works but like i don't know how they would even have to count that but then are some of those kids are they forced to play for them or are they playing for their home di- like yeah, i don't that's, know well, that's i don't I, know but it, like that's when you said it was like bct sam like well shouldn't those enrollment figures count for the home like see, i don't i don't know yeah right i don't i don't get into that but York Tech is there just below Wilson in terms of male enrollment. Um, Dallas Town, Manheim Township, and there's Harrisburg, Penn Manor, CD East, Carlisle, and then you get into the ones that um, have been in the past on the border. Are they going to be 6A or are they going to be 5A? Um, Lebanon, back up in 6A. Sorry, Cedars. Cedarcrest, um, they were in 6A, I believe, this past two-year cycle, but before that they were down because they had dropped down into Section 2 of the Lancaster Lebanon League in the past. Cedarcrest was 5A for a bit. And Red Lion, two years in 5A, now back up in 6A. So 6A has actually grown versus what we have seen in the previous 2A cycle. More teams competing for the same amount of spots. There are eight playoff spots, but those are the teams that um, that Wilson and Redding will be competing against to make the District 3 6A 
field. Uh, and I did bring up some other notable Burks LL teams in terms of enrollment numbers, just for people out there who want to know about the, uh, the Burks LL teams. Um, we talked about could Governor Mifflin make it to 6A because two years ago they missed out by one, just one male in the 9th, 10th, and 11th from being 6A. They weren't as close this year. They were down at 523, um, so they didn't make the 6A cut. Um, they're in 5A with Conestoga Valley, Warwick, Exeter, Muhlenberg, and Cocalico are the biggest, most notable teams there in 5A. Cocalico was 4A. And yeah. Cocalico yeah, moved up. So that's a big one, uh, Jim. 5A in terms of the new Burks LL, pretty stiff competition because you have those teams, but also a few teams that are in the 4A in terms of districts could also be playing some of these teams in the new Burks LL section alignments. Section 4. Section 4 is the big one. Yeah, it's a beast. Who's in Section 4? Why I'm missing Burks Catholic, Conrad Weiser. Hey, we can just stop there. <laughs> uh, but then when you add the LL teams in, you have Cocalico, uh, Lampeter, Strasburg, Donegal, Octorera. All seven of them were in the District 3 field last year in their respective classifications. And then Elko is the eighth team in that uh, in Section 4. Um, I, I, I half feel bad for Elko. Uh, yes, they very were, much they so. Were two and eight last year. I don't know. May, maybe they'll have a great team this year. It, who knows? But you're talking the other seven teams were why I'm missing was 10 and 0, Lampeter 9 and 1. You know, Donegal was 7 and 2, Conrad Weiser 7 and 3, Octorera had eight wins. Section four is just a beast this year. That will be fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. It, it I, I, I know when we talked about they did the sections by classifications. I just really wish they would have taken in, into account some of the, the current history, the trends of some of these teams. I think they could have made a few changes. I know this was um, very lively conversations when this was happening. First, did they even want to do the merger? Then when they came to it, how are we going to align the sections? I think there are different ways they could have done it. I think there are better ways they could have done it, but we'll see what happens because you get, you get section four is a beast. That is a crazy section to have to run through. If a team makes it through that undefeated, right. they should probably be favored for the district too. You would think if you go through that gauntlet, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, but in 4A, in terms of classifications, PIAA classifications, Manheim Central is the big one. They drop down. They are right on the border. Uh, very similar to Mifflin two years ago. Manheim Central, 382 male enrollment. That was the cutoff yeah, I for think, 4A. Yeah, they are the biggest 4A school <laughs> like because you can't get bigger and be 4A. So joining them in 4A and other Burks LL teams, Daniel Boone. Lampeter Strasburg uh, has been having a heck of a run the last few years in the LL. Fleetwood, Twin Valley, who I believe is dropping down from well, 5A. Right, right, Boone, Twin Valley, and Fleetwood all dropped down from 5 to 4. And uh, Conrad Weiser will be in 4A as well, and you mentioned them in the uh, the section race. Um, in 3A, um, playing at their appropriate classification will be Burke's Catholic. They had been choosing the last few cycles to play up, right. but they're going to sit down at 3A now, play um, Hamburg, Kutztown, Schuylkill Valley, Lancaster Catholic, and I have a, a star on the screen here. Um, I should probably put it back up so everyone can see it. There it is. Why I'm missing in 3A. Now, they had been forced to move to 4A, tech, I guess, temporarily um, based on the competition formula, uh, and we're going to get to that <laughs> shortly, um, but they are staying in 3A. They won their appeal. They are 
going to play where enrollment says they should be playing, which means um, they could have get to play Burke's Catholic in the playoffs for districts like we got to do, you know, was that five years ago where they played like two or three years in a row in the regular season and then in the district playoffs, which um, as an outsider is a lot of fun. I know there's some people on either side that maybe don't like it. But for Burke's football, I think it's great. Right. We'll just um, get our popcorn ready. Yeah, yeah. I just get to sit there and watch. Um, you know, we don't have to get into taking sides. It's just it's it's good football. Backyard brawl. Like, it's fun. It's fun. I got both mini helmets sitting there right in yes, front of you, you Jim. They're so right, back, see they're right there in the front. Um, right there with uh, another one of Wilson's opponent and uh, another one just because I'm a Penn State guy. So throwing throw the little lions there as well. Um, so that was uh, that was 3A, Burke's Catholic down to why I'm missing. Um, I didn't have the enrollment number for why I'm missing because it didn't list it in the uh, – I have it. it. You have it? It is 2 201, I believe it was. 201. So actually, I have them right where they need to be, just yeah, under exactly. Lancaster Catholic and some of these notable teams. So, uh, And then just for um, Mr. Raffoff here sitting next to me, uh, notable Burks LL teams in 2A or 1A. I have to uh, mention Columbia, old stomping grounds, Crimson go. Roll yeah. Tide. Yeah. Um, getting a new coach, though. Yeah, and a lot of turnover. Yeah, a lot losing, of, losing Robert Robert Footman, Footman that's a big loss who, for the Crimson Tide. I believe, and who helped – someone set a receiving record, a state receiving record in, yeah. a district in the district game. play, which they ended what, up losing. Right. 350 some yards receiving in crazy. one game. Crazy. <laughs> like, uh, Robert Footman is all on his way to Millersville. Millersville. Yeah. yeah so, so good for him. yeah, that's great. Awesome. Um, their coach did depart for one of the York schools though. So yeah. Columbia is still searching for a, a head coach, but Justin and I, uh, we're, we're going to get to a roll tide game. One of these, one of these years. Yeah. Our uh, game, our game in York, Ended so early, we thought well, we might we're be gonna, able to get. We're gonna try to go fifty six forty something. Like we're like we, we might st- get there before the game ends. <laughs> hey, we are playing a Saturday game this year. Where's Columbia oh, now, playing that now, Friday now night? You're just messing with <laughs> me. You're the messing with me. Real big yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking that up. Well, I mean, if if the Columbia game isn't interesting or isn't close or something, um, I, you know, I'm always dying to yes. get to a Y missing yes. game. I know yes. they play home games Saturdays, but if there's a road game in Burks or LL, that would be fun to go to. Yeah. We could maybe see Y missing play. It would be cool uh, to kind on of a like Friday night, a game, like a big game to go to that night. I, I don't know. I haven't not looked at the other schedules, but it would be cool to pick one. That night. All right. So that's PIAA parameters and classifications. Briefly talk about the competition formula because it came up in Burks County here because of why I'm missing their success going to the state championship game two years in a row, coupled with a not even full handful of supposed transfers as the PIAA dictates it or, or determines it, um, they were being told they were moving up to 4A. They, along with a few other teams that were being told that, appealed. Um, most notably was... Um, El Equipa. Both of them won their appeals, which, which, which I was think unheard of, was rare. Of, yeah, right. it's not something that happens that often. Um, I, I say I, that, but I know Southern Columbia won one. I don't know if it was an actual appeal, but I know like two years ago, I think, or something, they were supposed to get pushed up, but like that there was something wrong that like the, they had counted a transfer or the PIAA was counting a transfer that wasn't a transfer and they were able to prove that it wasn't. Something happened and so that pushed them under. But like, yeah, you know, we go from, oh man, Al Quippa, who's voluntarily playing up is going to get pushed up to 5A as, like, essentially a single A or 2A school. 117 kids. Right. Come on. And, right. And so I, I feel well, like I feel like they got it right. And I don't know the details of, like, what Why I'm Missing laid out. But, like, 
again, based on the things that I had heard and stuff, like I feel like they got it right in that one too. Like I like the idea of the competition or the success factors, but I <laughs> like when they if if you're going to have the appeal process, like to never grant an appeal, you know, or what's to, the point of the right, process? It kind of reminds me of like when the NFL was like, Oh yeah, you can challenge pass interference, but we're never going to overturn it. Well, thanks. That means nothing. So great. That's just lip service. Right. So I, I appreciate the attempt made at the competition formula. Um, I think for some things it's worked for other things it it hasn't quite worked. I, I think what you're seeing is the need for in terms of like, Alquipa and like Clareton and some of these teams that have just like domination that were electively playing up already. I don't know that you should keep forcing them to move up. Right. You know, it's like, right. especially when you're talking about a one, a team, you eventually going to put them in five or six, right. a, when they have you well, 117 male right. enrollment well, playing well, against Al, schools. Alquipa was saying if they would have played, well, they were already in, I think in, in four, eight, they were already playing against a team that had almost as many, kids on their football team, I think 90 plus that then they have in their, in their their entire entire school, school. you know, like, right. So there's things that can be added and could we see changes be made? Was these multiple appeals signaling that maybe the PIAA will reevaluate the competition formula. Uh, I think something can be added that caps how high a team can go based on enrollment. Like, um, if one A team can't be forced to play any higher than three A, you know right. it's two like a four A team maxes out at six A. There's nothing higher. I think four A to six A is fine. It's where you get in the one A to four A where it starts to get almost dangerous. Right. Um, and maybe parts of the PIAA were like, yeah, that kind of that makes sense. So we could see some changes there. I, I'm I don't you know I don't know the inside process. I can only go by what was written about the why missing situation where they had. Obviously, the success on the field that we saw in mostly dominating fashion the last two years uh, just couldn't get over the Central Valley hump. Um, Now, Central Valley playing up because of that same competition formula. Um, Why Missing appealed it because they had three transfers plus the success bumped them up. But the PIAA listened to what they said about those three supposed transfers and they took them at the word or they took the evidence that why missing presented and were like, yeah, that probably doesn't make sense. And that's the way the appeal process should work. I want them to get it right. Right. Cause you know, I, I know people from why I'm missing. I talked to them about this and everything they told me, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Sure. And that's how I want it to be applied to every team. It needs to make sense. I want there to be an even playing field. The classifi- classifications mostly get that right. But it, to me, it made a lot of sense from both Aliquippa and Why Missing to say, hold on. And I'm glad the PIW listened. And that's what I want to see out of it. Now, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But it's also the beginning of this. It's only been around for a few years now. So, Jim, what do you take? What's your take on the competition formula? First, uh, through my coaching career, I've been involved with many steering committees at the PIAA headquarters in Mechanicsburg. Um, I've sat in on many meetings with Melissa Mertz um, and various other people um, within the PIAA. I, I think I get a good feeling for who they are, what they are, what they want to do. The PIAA is always willing to listen to the coaches uh, with suggestions, so forth, so on. Pertaining to this particular 
uh, success formula. The only thing I don't like about it is that there's nowhere for 6A schools to go. We, yeah, that's yep. come up you know, when, with us. When yeah. you penalize, if, if that's maybe that's not even the right word. When you move up a 1A school to 2A, that's because according to their formula, you know, you either had transfers or you were successful, you moved up. This rule to me says 6A schools, you can recruit all you want and you can be successful all you want. You're staying where you're at. And guess what? We're going to move a few 5A schools up to play play against you. Right. Well, we just saw that with Archbishop Wood. Right. Uh, now, not only were 6A schools having to compete against St. Joe's Prep and Pittsburgh Central Catholic, um, North Allegheny, these big Pittsburgh schools, you got the big Philly schools, and now they're going to be like, hey, we're going to take the best of 5A, and now you get to right. play them too. Now, obviously, they got to go through St. Joe's Prep and LaSalle College High School. and all, But like now you have just one more big time successful program moving up to 6A. What are the what does that tell the rest of the schools in 6A? We're going to get the best of 4 and 5A up mm-hmm. with us too. What what do we do about it? There's nothing. And then that's one of the one of the downsides of the way the competition formula um is written right now. So that that's one of the things that Justin have always said. Well what like that doesn't help anyone in 6A. Right. It, 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 in addition, well, I guess I could say there's another thing I don't like, and it's this. Every year, it's a different team. It's a different group of high school kids. Your seniors graduate. Uh, obviously, we're talking some people transfer in, some people transfer out. That's what this rule is about. Next year's team at well, – we're talking why I'm missing. So it's not the same team that it was last year. So this coming year's why I'm missing team is going to be – I'm going to use the word again – penalized. Being, by being moved up. Now they're not. They won their appeal, but they had potentially could have been moved up. Next year's team is going to be moved up because of the success of last year's team. Mm-hmm. That's not fair to the current team. So that's that's the second thing I guess I don't like about it. It's almost kind of like if you look back in the um, in the NCAA in college football where you would have records or awards taken away from, you know, like the Reggie Bush stuff. Sure. You know, they took away his Heisman. That's an individual award, but they also said, "Oh, those national championships you played for—they don't, they count. don't count. Right. Those wins that you—they don't count." Mm-hmm. And I don't want to divert into that too far, territory, But you're penalizing people or team, and you're taking away scholarships or bowl opportunities from kids that weren't even on that Correct. team. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And it's that similar thing you just mentioned. Oh, why missing has been good, or whoever you can pull any team. Archbishop Wood was good for how many years? Now for two years they got to play at six A. They didn't do as well, and now for two years they're back in five A. Why did you penalize those two graduating classes for the success of it? So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they're trying because something needed to be done with the way things had gone over the over the deck. You know, the 2010s had gotten pretty crazy with the uh, just the explosion of some of these schools that you hadn't heard much of in, you know, in the, at all in the 90s or 2000s. And all of a sudden they're winning state championships. And it's not just a football thing either. Right. It's uh, a boys and girls basketball. You saw the exact same thing. Um so they're trying. Things need to be tweaked. Things need to be changed. But that's um, that's where we're at right now. Um, anything else on the competition formula before we move on to Hershey? No, or not to Hershey. I yeah, guess is yeah. is the key. Is yeah, really moving on to valid. not Hershey. Right. Um, so the big news that came out this week um, that shocked the um, Pennsylvania um, high school athletics was. The state championship games, not just in football, um, but in 
soccer, Basically I believe. All, I think it's like all false sports. I'm trying to think of all yeah, the ones that were played there. But it's I, not because yeah, cross country um, is still in Hershey. I saw. Well, and I know like tennis is at the Hershey. racket club, and tennis yeah, yeah, will yeah. remain yeah. in Hershey. Volleyball was already at Cumberland Valley. Okay, okay. but they are moving uh, um, field hockey from Williamsport to Cumberland Valley. They're moving soccer and football from Hershey to Cumberland Valley. Obviously, the big one and for the focus on this show is moving the state championship games from Hershey Park Stadium to Cumberland Valley. Um. I know a lot had been said, and this came up a few years ago when District 3 moved their championship out of Hershey Park Stadium. It's maybe too big. You're not getting as much as many people there as you need to cover the costs. The arena, the stadium itself is falling apart and in need of repair, especially like locker rooms. It's certainly not as cool of a venue to say hey i'm going to cumberland valley to play the state championship game i think the optics are 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 weird and i think that was most people's responses were like i get the downfall of or the things holding back hershey from being as grand as it once was because it feels like it's stuck in the 90s or in the 80s maybe um but it still had that hold like everyone talked about playing in hershey going to hershey around here you could start in districts but for everyone else, it was meant playing for a state championship. Now that's completely gone for anyone. Um, you're playing at home or these neutral fields at high schools. It just feels like a step back, uh, especially when you hear that Hershey Park, Altoona, and Penn State put in bids to the PIAA to host the football championship games. And I'm sure I haven't seen them come out and say otherwise, but I assume they went with the lowest bidder. Would be my guess. I um, I can tell you I had about an hour-long conversation today with a source at Cumberland Valley. Okay. And I researched the bids. Well, now, I, I do want to say, this is not anything against Cumberland Valley. Sure. Or no, the no, no, the no. school district, the athletic director, yeah. the committee. The, the, you know, I know they even went to the town. You yeah. know, they were talking about um, with with uh, with Mechanicsburg, right? Yeah, well, it's Cumberland right Valley Visitors Bureau. The Visitor Bureau. Mm-hmm. This is not just like poo-poo the stuff that they've done to earn that bid. That's great. I know they're putting turf in the stadium. Like, they're doing all this kind of stuff. That's awesome. But in terms of excitement, the optics, the aura, that's great for that. Playing it at Cumberland Valley High School is not the same as playing it at any of those other three because Mansion Park is cool. Everyone enjoyed Hershey Park Stadium. And Beaver, playing the PRWA Championships back at Beaver Stadium because it's been there before. Um, a long time ago now to pick that out of those four just seems head scratching. So what did you hear from your source? I'd love to hear it. Uh, my first concern was how are they going to, and I know we're talking specifically football here, but my first concern was how are they going to do volleyball, field hockey, and soccer on that campus all in the same day? That was my first concern. And I was told that field hockey will be played in the stadium Soccer will be played at Eagle View Middle School, which is up behind the Cumberland Valley High School campus. Uh, totally different area of the campus for soccer. And then, of course, volleyball's inside. And But anyway, specifically for football, because that's two weeks later, Chapman Field at Cumberland Valley High School is getting new turf. That, that project is beginning in about two weeks, from what I'm told. Okay. They're, the visitor's side of the field is getting a brand new press box. Okay, which was uh, obviously a concern for media. Uh, Hershey has has an immaculate. I mean, it's old, but it's big. I loved going in Hershey's press box. 
the the history that's in there is is amazing. Um, so anyway, the Cumberland Valley's uh, visiting site is getting a new press box. They're getting new lights for the stadium. They're getting a new video board. And my source, he 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 knows that I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, so he said it's going to be one of those Jerry Jones Megatrons, which I know it's not, but they are getting a new video board. I can tell you that I read it. There's an article out there in the Altoona Mirror by Michael Boyton. Uh, came out yesterday. And um, Melissa Mertz is quoted in here as saying the considerable factors of moving were the turf field, the state-of-the-art video sound and lighting systems, upgraded concessions, upgraded visitors' side press box, an indoor turf facility, an athletic training center, meeting spaces for teams, officials, and members of the media, and cafeterias for uh, meals and film rooms. Those are direct quotes in this article in the Altoona Mirror. By, by Melissa Mertz. And then by researching the um, the, the uh, quotes, the requests for proposals, what they call the RFPs, Penn State wanted $40,000 per game. Whoa, okay. I understand the okay. exclusion, ex- um, exclusions so there. That, that's $240,000. Now, the Happy Valley, again, this is in the article by um, Michael Boyton from the Altoona. Oh, good. I'm glad you found this because I, I didn't get to look for it. I was hoping that it would come out like what the other proposals were. This just came out yesterday. Okay. Uh, Penn State's uh, proposal of $40,000 per game, $240,000 total, didn't include the Happy Valley Adventure Bureau was going to sponsor $100,000 of it. So PIAA would not exceed $140,000. Is that anywhere near the ballpark of the other ones, though? You ready for this one? Oh boy. Altoona's bid was for free. Oh. Okay. All right. So I, uh, I have heard that the lock this is just what I heard. The locker room situation isn't great at Altoona. Now Correct. That, That's that, the same at Hershey. Right. Hershey's it, locker right, rooms exactly, are awful. Exactly. Now, I don't know that any one thing is gonna be what does it, but man, for free. Oof. I I get it. Um, Cumberland Valley's bid came in at um, for all the games. This Ten, is not just football? This no, is everything? This was, this was specifically football. Oh, specifically football, okay. Um, Cumberland Valley's bid was $10,630 total. But the Cumberland Area Economic Development Corporation was going to pay 8000 of it. So Altoona's free offer. In, in the end... The fee to Cumberland Valley is only going to be twenty six hundred thirty dollars. Not even three thousand dollars. Right, and everything at Cumberland Valley is almost brand new. Brand new. So I agree with you. The aura isn't Hershey Park, um, but I remember it was was just two years ago where the district championships were played on the home field of the higher seed. Well, they, they were yeah, this, and, year. And this year. We played too. at Harrisburg. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. What's better, winning on your home field or, or winning at Hershey? I I don't know. It depends on which kid you talk to. I, I just – Is Hershey really that good? Is it? it it's, not, it's not about the locker rooms, though. It's about playing at the bigger stadium. It's about playing where so many teams before you had played. Um, it, I, I remember, you know, now we're working on, what, five-ish years ago when District 3 pulled out of their championship games from being at, at Hershey. I think the last one – at Hershey was 
was it 17 maybe 2017 is that right yeah because 18 19 20, 20 yeah i think we're four years removed from hershey i think the last ones district three had in hershey was 2017 um i just said like i understand all the drawbacks everyone says oh hershey parker uh stadium needs a bunch of upgrades the locker rooms are ter- like i get all that it still felt different it felt special um and in the end, like, if you're going to say, well, would you rather play, play at Hershey or not play at, you know, no, of course everyone wants to play in the game, whether it's right. at your home stadium, at another high school stadium, at a neutral high school stadium, everyone's going to choose to play in the game. But if, I don't think they're equal. I don't think playing at y- your stadium, the opponent's stadium, a neutral high school stadium is the same thing as playing at Hershey Park, Altoona, or Penn State. Right. But in the end, it doesn't matter. I mean, it would be cool, makes for a cool opportunity but you just want to play the game. You just want to ho- hoist the trophy. It, in the end, it's not going to matter where it was played. Right. It's all doesn't. It isn't a big deal. But given the opportunity, I feel like most people would pick those other three sites versus your own stadium or a, some other high school stadium. A, a, a guessing numbers, approximate numbers: six hundred high schools in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, I'd and, say about and. and 12 make it to the championship right yeah this isn't impacting a Uh, lot of people (laughs) right and and one thing that i did learn by being in a lot of those meetings with the piaa steering committees etc money talks especially the past two seasons with covid piaa district three all the districts across the state they lost a lot of money and if this is their one way at least for the next four years to recoup some money um, this article that i read here also says that uh, James Franklin was very much in favor of getting states the championship games at Beaver Stadium, and and he's he's disappointed that it's not. But at, they're going to have to figure out a way to bring down the price. The yeah, you're going right. to have to figure out a way well, to bring that, down the price. And that that can also be one of those things where it's also tough. You know, when you look, and it was expected, but you know, the numbers just came out that the the losses that Penn State took in 2020, as as every athletic mm-hmm. department across the country did, you know, were like what like. 30 to 50 million or something like that. And again, that was expected just because of the way things happen. You know, maybe in four years, they're in a spot where they can well, make and, that happen. It, or, or even like the, the local, you know, the local visit visitors associations or whatever it is are in a spot where they're not hurting as much and maybe they can chip it. Sure. They may know what it would take now. One thing that I think is going to, when the games are actually played, I think will make it, look a little better um how many fans do you think hershey seats do you know any guess i, I don't i don't if, know if I, had I was to gonna guess, say eight to ten was would be my guess is it way I, more than that i, I think yeah. it would be like 14 to 15 i i, right? I okay. think it is more towards the 15 side right um from what i'm told the 6a championship game this year only they only sold six thousand. right okay Hershey Park Stadium is fifteen thousand six hundred and forty-one. Great right. guess. <laughs> so I was ha- I was at half. My okay. my capacity guess was half. And and when even the six A game, the biggest game of the six, is only selling six thousand tickets. You're you're only putting your seating at forty percent capacity. Cumberland Valley seats eighty eight or eight thousand eighty one hundred max. That stadium's going to look oh yeah it's like it's, it's going to packed yeah and in, and to me that's going to really the cool. atmosphere is going to be a lot better I think the you'll hear the fans cheering a lot better uh, you know I I I think 
I'm also a typical Berks County guy. Sometimes change to me isn't always a good thing. Mm -hmm. But in this situation, I've been to Cumberland Valley's campus many, many, many times. And I, to all you football players out there that have a dream of playing in a state championship game, go with the flow. I don't think you'll be disappointed if your team gets to play at Cumberland Valley. No, and, and um, for transparency, I haven't been back to Cumberland Valley since the fall of 2000. So that was the last time I was oh, on their you, campus. It's so much different. So much different. Well, and, I mean, and more is coming, as you said, uh, absolutely. From, from the article and why they were given that. So essentially, PIAA is only forking over about three grand for the six football championships, which, right. like you said, um, and that maybe this is just a four-year stopover because those upgrades that are happening at Cumberland Valley aren't just for the PIAA championships. That's for the betterment of their school district and community that'll last if they don't keep it four years from now, if it right. moves on, if Hershey park or mansion park upgrade their facilities and have good um, pitches, or if Penn state finds someone to bring that cost down for the PIAA. Uh, I, f I, I feel like with no knowledge that if Penn state was like, it won't cost you anything. PIAA would be foolish not to take them up on it. Uh, you know, if someone would come along and whatever it costs to, winterize the facility and all the changes that they need to make that Penn state doesn't lose money. I'm sure James Franklin and staff sees it as part of a recruiting tool too, to be like, Hey, you can play as a high school player in this stadium. I, I think it might even go more than the money though. As the article says, one of the things from Melissa Mertz says, and uh, Bob Lombardo says it as well in the article, playing on turf is, is a huge factor in this as well. Because you don't have to worry about the weather. To, to have to, to avoid six games on grass over three days uh, is, is also a, a big thing. You know, Whippeal plays their games out at uh, Pittsburgh Stadium. Heinz, yeah, Heinz, Heinz Field. Field. Yeah. And uh, I've seen pictures after the last game of, of those. That, that Which is usually beat. the 6A game too, Correct. isn't it? And yeah. those fields are beat. Yeah. And Heinz, Heinz is already usually known as one of the worst like surfaces right. like e even though it's grass you know like it's trash well, a lot if, of the years if anyone can figure it out Penn State has an amazing turf grass science program. <laughs> oh, they sure do. So uh, I hope another four years they can figure it out because um, selfishly I, I want to see I I would go to a P I I have not been to a state championship game because I only ever want to see Wilson play there um in 6A. Now I'm as I'm meeting so many other people in high school football, there are other teams that I would love to go and watch. I didn't get the opportunity to go see Wyo play in the state championship this year. I wish I could have gone last year or this year. It just didn't work out with my schedule. But um, if the games ever end up at Penn State, would love to see Wilson there. But yeah, I would like, like to go see that game. I think that like, would be fun. Go. The baseball state championships are there. Yeah. At well, Medlar Field. Medlar at Lebron Park. Park, yeah. Right. Um, Wilson's had a very good baseball team last few years. I, I was already – set up i was like if wilson makes a state championship game and plays there i am going to that game unfortunately unfortunately they fell a few games short the last uh well two seasons that were played but uh that's a great i saw many state college spikes games there when i was a when i was a student at penn state it's a, it's a great facility um yeah a lot of a lot of great um places out there for high school sports to be played uh, but football championships for the next four seasons will be played at Cumberland valley as well as many other sports uh, and to wrap things up here, Jim, 
We do want to talk about the rest of your site. You know, you're not just a football site. That's kind of the point of your site is that we want to talk about everything related to uh, student athletes and their events uh, in Berks County. And we have a little bit of a winter sports recap here. Now, I know a few things off the top of my head. I have a slide up here of the ones that I could go off of or look at on the BCIAA website. Our boys basketball champion this year was Reading High. They defeated Burks Catholic. In girls basketball, Mifflin got the better of our Wilson Bulldogs. Those games were played in back-to-back at Santander. That was that's always cool to have those games there. Another, you know, a fun opportunity for the student athletes uh, to participate in. So boys and girls basketball was Reading and Mifflin. Um, boys and girls bowling, Wilson won back-to-back titles of the B- boys bowling team championship. They defeated Exeter. Girls bowling, we just saw Daniel Boone beat Mifflin. Uh, and wrestling team and, champion. And let, let's give a shout out to Daniel Boone. That was their first ever girls bowling championship. That's well, awesome. congratulations, congratulations to the to the Blazers. I think actually um, Mifflin was the team to beat too. Mifflin was the high roller most of the season, weren't they? Uh, they were. However, when Boone and Mifflin had their regular season matchup, Boone did beat them in one of the okay. three games. So, okay. uh, based on averages, yes, Mifflin was the team to beat, but Boone was not uh, to be denied in that match. Um, and the, the wrestling team championship, Wilson defeated Burke's Catholic. So now uh, I know there's a bunch of other sports we want to talk about, but of those five, Jim, I know um, like bowling has individual championships yes. as well. Do you have information on, on the individuals? Sure. In, uh, in the boys, the Burke's County individual champion was Josh Bauer of Antietam. And the girls individual champion was Andrea Addis of, I'm sorry, Josh Bauer. I, I said Antietam. Get that right. Josh Bowers, Antietam. And Andrea Addis was the girls' champion from Governor Mifflin. Okay. And they just had districts uh, yesterday. Ethan Reimert yes. from Exeter, Exeter was the yep. boys' district champion as well. Yeah, so congratulations to the, to the those are Berks County student-athletes uh, for their successes. Now, I know I, we don't have to get into all the wrestling right. individual champions because there's right. so many so, of them. Same thing with swimming, sure. But they can all be found on your website, which sure is? SpotlightOnBerksSports.com. Um, but you have other team championships we want to mention. Uh, sure. Um, you go ahead. You I, go. You start where you're ready to start at. I don't, rifle, cheerleading, but, swimming. Well, uh, the, the the rifle. It's it's actually the LL league uh, that Governor Mifflin and Wilson participate in. Um, and a quick shout out to uh, James Gossert of Governor Mifflin. He ended up with the high average for the course of the league. Um, 10 shots, 10 points per shot, 100 points. He averaged 99.5. That's pretty sick. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, swimming, uh, the Wilson boys won uh, another championship for, for Roy Snyder. They won the Central Penn League 27 of the last 29 years. Um, Roy Snyder sits at, and, and put this on your calendar, Roy Snyder sits at 599 career wins oh. ending this season. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to um, celebrate number 600, 600. With, with Roy next year. Uh, girls, Wilson won that as well. This is the 29th out of the last 31 years that Wilson girls won the championship. Um, and then a quick shout-out to Safiya Elkyadi, yes. who won the girls diving districts yesterday. Yes, excellent. Um, she, she did a great job. Uh, the competitive spirit competitions, the county championships, the large division, Conrad Weiser won that. The small division was Ole Valley. And then they have what they call a game day division. The game day large, Exeter, was your county champions. And the game day small, was Twin Valley, was your county champions in that one. Uh, real quick, 
I'm going to post an article tomorrow morning. The indoor track and field championships were held today. State, state championships yeah. were held today. We had um, six individual Berks County medalists, uh, to include a couple from from Wilson. And you know, you'll, I'll get this article up tomorrow. But Katie Dallas, Karen Rippey, Annika Ermold, Anthony Angle, Gabe Sample, and Brady Miter were individual medalists. And then if you add Exeter, had a relay that that won a medal at the indoor track and field state championships. Now, so, do they award for top six like some of these other? Six. Top six, okay. Right, right, top six. Now, I know I, I did recognize Katie Dallas and Karen Rippey um, as Wilson Wilson medalists, so I'm, I'm right. looking forward to seeing your write-up on, on how all the Burke student-athletes did at the indoor track championships, which were held at Penn State today. They were, they were. And then the, the last one that we didn't mention uh, is something that the PIAA just approved on a third and final reading yes. as a... Yep. It was a unanimous approval as an emerging sport, and that's girls wrestling. Uh, girls wrestling regionals are coming up this weekend for states, uh, regionals, and then states next weekend. Uh, keep your eyes and ears on Jalea Pletz from Governor Mifflin. Uh, 106 pounds is typically where she, she wrestles, and um, she, uh, she's your two-time defending girls state champion, and, and uh, she's going for the three-peat this year. That's yeah, awesome. And um, Mifflin was Mifflin the first school in the county to adopt a, uh, a girls wrestling. Do they have a girl individual girls wrestling program? Or they she, do. There okay. are there are a few now. Brandywine Heights, Governor Mifflin, Burks Catholic, um, Exeter, uh, just to name four. Now I know there are other schools that have some girls that wrestle on their boys team, but they haven't technically started a girls team. Uh, there are girls from Schuylkill Valley. There are girls from Wyomissing. And I'm sorry if I'm missing any of the other schools, but there are girls from several of the schools. But as far as I know, Brandywine Heights, Governor Mifflin, Exeter, and Berks Catholic are the only four schools that have actually approved a girls program at this point. Okay. Yeah, I did see that uh, that uh, notification this week that uh, the PAAA was uh, ready to add girls wrestling. So what do you know what it means to designate it as an emerging – just that it's a, a, As an emerging sport? Yeah. Uh, large number of schools that are quickly adopting the programs okay to start a state sanctioned tournament they have to have at least 100 schools okay uh, which is why uh, we have some experience in the background in water polo uh, bowling uh, they are both very strong sports uh, in the Berks County area and surrounding areas but there aren't 100 Not schools throughout the state okay. for the PIAA to actually say okay we're going to take you over and we will host and sponsor and pay for the state tournaments. Right. Well, and Justin, you would know this. What is the um, the Wilson Water Polo State Championships? What are those through the classifications? Like, who's running that? So it's just like Pennsylvania Water Polo. Okay. It's yeah. It's it's more like a like a club. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, what it's you, almost like a club. Yeah. It, but right. I mean, it's it's run by there is a governing body, uh, but it's basically run by the coaches. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. There. Yes, yeah. There, there is like it's mostly coaches, and some usually one of the coaches is like in charge and kind of is overseeing the stuff. But yeah, and like you said, in our area, there's a lot of adoption, and even as obviously as you go out to Cumberland Valley, that's mm-hmm. most of my trips to Cumberland mm-hmm. Valley have been for water polo. But as you go down towards Philly, lots of schools have it. Sure. But as you once you get past Cumberland Valley. There's not really much. Right. Now, I know there are and, some out in Pittsburgh and Erie, and as those have grown, there's, you know, I would love for it to get to that point. That would be awesome, but it, 
it's tough because of facilities alone. You know, lots of places don't have pools. Like, for example, in, in Lancaster Lebanon League, there's a lot of schools have swim programs. Correct. But not many of the schools have pools. They're Correct. using, like, the pool in the Hemfield district, mm-hmm. but not at Hemfield. Th- things like that. So, and, and a name you would know, Joe, is uh, former Wilson superintendent, Dr. Rudy Ruth. <laughs> he is the commissioner of Pennsylvania yeah, State he, Water. He, oh, okay. Yeah, yep. He has been for a long time. Um, Rudy Ruth has... And and his his wife, they have put their heart and soul into building um, not just Wilson Water Polo, but the program the program statewide. Yeah, and he's always trying to find. I was going to say, are there are they close to getting that sanctioned by I, the PIAA? I believe at in the fall when the fall season ended, there were twenty six schools currently that have water polo. Oh wow! So to get to a hundred, I didn't. Yeah, that's a lot. Right. I would be asking right. a lot. Right. Right. Huh. Okay, yeah. the more you know. This is the education uh, that you don't usually get on the Bulldog Hour, but it, that's why I like these. All, I mean, I love the in-season shows because we're talking about actual football, but the off-season is the time we get to talk about things we don't always talk about. So talking about um, other Berks County schools and sports is uh, hopefully something that everyone appreciates when we do these um, off-season shows. So, um, yeah, well, Jim, I really appreciate you joining us. I'm glad we were able to get on get you on the show here. I apologize for the beginning of technical difficulties. Well, I'll say it again uh, that they didn't hear me. It's been an honor and a privilege <laughs> to be here. I greatly appreciate the time being here. Had a lot of fun. Good, yeah, and we'll we'll have to ha- we'll have you back on at some time. Um, you know, maybe uh, later this this spring or early summer, we we'll recap the spring sports with sure. you and talk about any other um, Wilson football or Berks County football news that has come up. If any, you know. Uh, I so I feel like uh, in the off scene is it probably better to have no news? You know, no news is good news. If there's something breaking about Berks County football in uh, in April or May, it might not be a great sign. Um, but you know, Justin and I are always uh, interested in having a fun guest on, and uh, with your website and your expertise, uh, with everything going on in the county. Um, it was a lot of fun. So we do appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Um, and for everyone that's watching or listening after the fact, um, why don't you uh, give your site a plug one more time? It's spotlightonberksports.com. And I, again, shouting this out, I couldn't do what I do without the sponsors that I have, uh, without the support of the athletic directors, without the support of all of the coaches throughout all of the 31 sports. So, a big thank you to all of them. It would take me another hour and a half, Joe, to name all of them. <laughs> so I won't, but just everybody out there that has in some way, shape, or form helped Spotlight on Burke Sports, thank you very much. And you can check out those sponsors on the website. Absolutely. Um, definitely, uh, if you ever need anything in any of the uh, genres of the sponsors, uh, hit those links, find those places. Anyone that any sponsors any of these these high school student athletes and performers, um, you know, support those businesses and tell them that you uh, appreciate them supporting the students throughout Berks County and uh, keep up the, uh, the great coverage that we're getting um, from people like Jim at Spotlight on Berks Sports. Um, you know, and I, I appreciate the site so much because, you know, Justin and I were tied into the f- football community, but I want to know about everything else that's going on. It's why I run the unofficial Wilson Bulldogs athletic site on Facebook because I want to also know what's going on with the Wilson sports that aren't football. And that was a great place to do that. And the number of times that I'm retweeting the stuff that you put out, um, I try to keep it Wilson focused, especially on my, my, 
my Twitter account just because I feel like that most people following me are probably following me for Wilson related stuff. So anytime you're posting, you know, all the stuff, uh, uh, swimming and diving and, and the bowling recently, anytime that I would see you mention anything, I always make sure to, to get that news out there. Cause I want everyone to see what all the, the, um, the, the students are up to in, in, at Wilson and, and beyond. So really do appreciate the spotlight on Burke sports. Uh, so check out the site, check out all the work that Jim has done, uh, around the county and uh so you sleep in the summer is that when you get caught up <laughs> oh man you bring up that word summer <laughs> I, my wife and i have a uh we we have a camper down at the beach um and and over the summer we um from basically the day school lets out until maybe three or four days before school gets back in because my wife is a teacher um I, I i'm at the beach for 10 weeks i relax um i have a plethora of stories that i will be writing about over the summer that i will post on the website during summer months when there are no sports taking place so look for those stories coming out there they will be interesting to say the least (laughs) good good keep the content fresh even when the student athletes are on a break as well and we're looking forward to the next season uh but by then we'll be deep into um football talk justin and i we start our you know weekly bulldog hour in, in august but we'll have at least two more shows before then um keep people up with the program before things get into uh um you know prime territory for the season to start anew but um i think that's it here for the season eight premiere of the bulldog hour i can't believe we're at season eight already justin that's crazy uh, i feel like we just started this in uh, 2015 but here we are heading towards uh the tw- fall 2022 season and it shaping up to be another good one looking forward to it as we said at the top of the show we'll be back for episode 8-2 at the end of April. So if you have got any topics you'd like us to cover, uh, any information or news, send it our way. Visit BulldogHour.com. Follow us uh, on our social media, any Wilson Bulldogs football or Bulldog Hour accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, we got Joe Mays and JRAF on uh, Twitch and we're everywhere. You can find us YouTube. Just track us down. Give us a like and follow or subscribe. And um, we'll be back with more uh, Wilson football news in about two months. So once again, thanks to Jim Berkman. Uh, for my co-host, Justin Raffoff, I'm Joe Mays. And until next time, remember, go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.